Hello, you're listening to episode 6 of 8 Minute Movies, Knives 8, a podcast talking about the 2019 movie Knives Out in 8 Minute Chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. This is a sequential podcast that contains spoilers for Knives Out, so you should watch it first before listening, and start the podcast with episode 1. So... I did. I did that one a bit more sedately for you, Peter, because I real I, you were frightened and concerned by my intensity during the last one. I think I need you somewhere in in between those two because that, so, that that I would say was subdued. You don't. So so I I wasn't bringing enough energy. Yeah, I, I think that's the tone that you go with if um, you're about to start the podcast with the I don't know announcement of the death of your cat or something oh, like yeah yeah uh, <laughs> uh, or, or I'll, I'll take your feedback on board and and i'll start episode seven differently <laughs> yeah maybe maybe use the the normal level of energy so not the extreme high energy or low energy of the last two but just go off sideways somewhere Surprise oh, me! Oh, it's uh, all right. <laughs> Surprise me, but don't alarm me like last time. <laughs> uh, hang on, I'm going to make a note of this. Um, so, how are you feeling? Uh, I, I'm feeling okay. I'm I'm watching. I'm, I'm consuming new media. It, so, oh, so that's that's something. Um, uh, good. <laughs> right? Would you would you like me to say what I'm what new media I'm consuming? Consuming new media. This is a callback, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah, it is. A, 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 leng- a lengthy confusion about consuming as applied to not food. You use the word "our" so inaccurately. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh wow. Um under two minutes and i've already told you to fuck off that's uh mm. that's probably a podcast record tm probably not anyway um, yeah, go, go on go on what's your what's what thing are you consuming what have you got your big mouth around chewing on today i am five out of six episodes into the first season of only murders in the building uh only murders in the building is great and i definitely told you to watch it last year sometime i mean you might have done i but did there's a very good chance that i wasn't listening <laughs> Why? <Wow. laughs> this is this is podcast host abuse um <laughs> why are you like this yeah it's, it's possible that you told me but i feel like i would have remembered if you'd told me that there was a television show with Steve Martin and Martin Short in it. I just feel like that would have stuck in my mind. But it, Yeah, it's got both Martins. Yeah. Back again for the first time since the three amigos. I don't know whether that's true. Back, back once again with the ill behavior. Mm. <laughs> uh, and they are doing a... Yeah, they're doing a television show uh, where they... And uh, there's another uh, character played by Selena Gomez. Uh, They're all a little bit obsessed with these true crime podcasts. uh, And also they all, for different reasons, are just trying to recapture some old glory days Mm. that they've had. So the the Steve Martin character uh, called Charles is 
uh, he, he was known for playing this uh, TV detective called Brazos. Oh, Brazos, yeah. Uh, I uh, I watched this like last June, I think. So mm. um, everything you say is like refreshing my memory. And uh, Martin Short plays a character called Oliver, who was a a Broadway director who's mm. uh, uh, a bit. Uh, down on his luck. <laughs> uh, and uh, Selena Gomez uh, plays Mabel, who uh, uh, is uh, renovating the place for, for her aunt and uh, it used to play around as a kid a lot, a lot of times in her youth and, and sort of play um, detective-y games in mm. it. And so they're all obsessed with these true crime podcasts and a, uh, well, what seems like a, a suicide, but they suspect quite quickly might be a murder, happens in the, the building that they live in. And they get together and decide to try and start their own uh, true crime podcast uh, by being able to kind of investigate the murder from from scratch basically themselves uh and it's about their so or at least so far it's about their kind of ham-fisted attempts to both put together a podcast and investigate this uh, alleged crime <laughs> uh yeah um the group of idiots figuring out how to do a podcast together thing um struck a chord with me for reasons that i'm not gonna elaborate on yeah it really uh, <laughs> doesn't it? yeah yeah there's something so oh peter can we go back and re-record the first season with good mics please 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 i want it to be the best one but it's the sound quality is not great <laughs> well um <laughs> No, that Look, ship has you, sailed. You you can do it if you like, but cast someone else as me. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't! I'll look on cameo. <laughs> <laughs> guest guest starring um, John Claude Van Damme as Peter Silk. Get the surviving chuckle brother or whatever. You can't call him the surviving chuckle brother. That's so bleak. Well, I don't know what his name is. <laughs> um, Barry. No, Paul Chuckle, I think. I'm um, pretty sure that's not his real name. Oh, hang, hang on, I'm go- hang on, I have to Google it now. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the living one, Paul. Paul is the living one. Hmm. <laughs> the the lone survivor. Um. Oh God, what what's the word for the last of its like race? It's endling. I think is the uh, is the term for the last member of a species. <laughs> I don't think that's appropriate here. <laughs> So I've got uh, one episode to watch left in this series. I don't, is there another series? I'm not even sure. Uh, not yet, uh, mm. but hopefully there will be soon. Um, it definitely ends on a cliffhanger. Uh, that, I, hope, I hope that's not spoiling anything for you that makes me very keen to watch season two if and when it arrives. Yeah, no, um, it didn't seem like it was the sort of thing that was going to wrap up neatly in uh, in one more episode. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's good. It's nice <laughs> to see uh, like Steve Martin back in a role that isn't just being a sort of vaguely bemused dad, which is mm. a lot of his late 90s output. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, I really enjoyed the 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 fans of their podcast who are just commenting in a weird meta way about the show that you're watching as well. It's mm, yeah, <laughs> it's really entertaining stuff. Um, and it's it's like it's like a sort of cozy murder mystery, which is a term I learned recently, so I want to use it. Okay, where like you know. It's like a murder mystery show, but there's no there's no real threat, you know. No, I suppose not. Uh, there's uh, like uh, stings in it for reasons that I don't really want to go yeah. into. If you want to yeah. watch it, <laughs> I I was trying not to mention Sting, but Sting is in it. Yeah, like yeah. a whole whole episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I th- I think it hit so deep with me at the time because I I I went through a three month true crime podcast phase that that sort of <laughs> that sort of synced up with this um oh god are you one of them um for a while i i i dropped out of it but Did i was i was a map i <laughs> i i was listening to to crime junkie that's the podcast i was listening <laughs> to um but uh, it sort of gets a bit samey after a while i mean you know it's just a crime happened and uh maybe that crime could be solved by you the listener you probably can't it probably like you know they're they're dead they're under a patio and it's gonna go and dig the patio up yeah you know? I, I feel like um i cannot solve a crime that people whose job it is to solve the crime couldn't solve probably um well yeah but that's 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 what they comment on in the show isn't it that you know the police only have time to like look at a murder for a little while then they have to go off and look at all the other murders that are happening so you know if you if you you and your podcast friends dwell on it for six months and drag it out maybe you'll solve the crime you probably won't yeah i mean i'm not necessarily endorsing the police here and the job they do but (laughs) nevertheless I reckon they've got more experience at crime solving than me. Yeah, on average. Uh, yeah. Um. Yes, I I agree. Mm. <laughs> um. Peter, what what does the name mean? Only murders in the building. It's from the first episode, isn't it? Um, because they have a little discussion and they uh. Uh, just they wonder whether they might branch out to other murders in the local area because someone gets killed in like Central Park or something like uh. that. And uh, then I think Stephen uh, Steve Martin's character says something like, uh, "No, no, we've got to keep it focused. Only murders in the building." I uh, uh, I, I probably got that at the time, but um, f- forgot in the intervening months. Mm. Um, listeners, I I had a very bad headache earlier today, so <laughs> so we're not we're not bringing our A game to this podcast. Um... <laughs> yeah, this is uh, definitely one of the B level podcasts. Yeah, this, uh, this... if you're looking for only uh, only our top material, then you might just want to skip this one. I don't know. <laughs> you can't you can't keep telling people to skip the episodes. The sponsors don't like it when people skip the episodes. So, what about you? Have you been up to anything fun apart from having a bad, bad migraine? Yeah, I had a, had a real bad headache, and um, and and a uh, and it it came on very suddenly 
oh, well, I was halfway through cooking a barbecue, which mm. um, uh, uh, it's not the worst time to suddenly have to go and lie down. But like, I mean, <laughs> you know, the other times are like while you're driving a Formula One car or piloting a jet or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I looked down at the fire and I was like, "Fire! You're going to have to sort this out on your own. Just uh, try not to burn anything I consider important." And I went back inside. Mm. I know I put I put the fire out, but but nevertheless, um, I I was going to talk about something that we might have talked about in the last season of the podcast, but I I couldn't be bothered listening to our tedious rambling to find out if that was true or not. Um, right. Well, uh, uh, the list, yeah. the 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 sponsors don't like it when I call it tedious <laughs> rambling either. And uh, when I listened to our enlightened debate, <laughs> well, look, tell me what it is, and I will see whether my brain felt it important enough to remember uh, from it, last season. <laughs> yeah, but you, you don't even remember my name. I have to introduce myself to you at the start of every episode. Like, you, you just do the intro. I know your name, <laughs> Steve. Don't call me Steve. Um, oh, sorry, I was still thinking about Steve Martin. <laughs> yeah, Steve Martin and Martin Short. Like, I feel like you know you could cancel the Martins out. You know what I mean? Like with a mm. with a mathematical equation. It's a shame there's not a, an actor called Short something. I don't know, like <laughs> Short Johnny. <laughs> you could just do a whole string of them. <laughs> um, oh god, this 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 sounds like a very tedious parlor game that's very easy to lose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, I'll I'll start. I'll start. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Fuck you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing I wanted to talk about is a board game that um, that I think I hope you'll remember because we played it. Um, and it's called Alien: Fate of the Nostromo. Hmm. I mean, we have talked about board games before, haven't we? Mm. Um, but I don't know whether we talked about this specific one. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about this specific one. Um, and we've played it a couple of times, and and I I I love it. Um, so it's it's a co-op board game for five players, uh, up to five players, I guess. Um where you play the crew of the Nostromo, the spaceship from Alien, as you will well remember from our previous season. Uh, and, yeah, oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, the Alien is on board the ship, like, stalking around, doing naughty stuff, so you're going around the board, and you're trying to achieve little goals that will help you to stop the Alien and escape the ship, and everything will be fine once again. Yeah, and we've played this a couple of times, and it's uh, mm. it's a fine uh, it's a fine board game. Yeah, the, the first time we played it, I don't think we really got a handle on how hard it was because we thought it was a very difficult game. Um, but the game has some rules. Uh, basically, it gets harder as time goes by, uh, <laughs> um, which is performed by having a series of cards that tell you, you know, uh, what. Like at the end of every player's go, you draw an event, and that is either a quiet card, meaning nothing really happens, um, or an alien stalks card, which means the alien moves somewhere and does something, or uh, Special Order 937, where Ash, the naughty android, 
goes and does something bad somewhere on the ship. And um, as the play continues, you take you steadily take the quiet cards out of the deck. Um, so, you know, you're more likely as the game goes on to encounter some sort of horrific thing happening. Right. But the first time we played it, we f- we messed the rule up. And so we ended up with only a deck of alien cards. So the alien was running around the ship like a cat with zoomies and uh, just brutal. It was like a brutal onslaught. <laughs> Yeah, it uh, it was uh, extremely tough, uh, and but I think there's an element of that to the to the game anyway, because basically what you're trying to do in the game is achieve a certain number of objectives before you do a sort of final objective that gets revealed at the end. That's yeah. different every time, uh, and a lot of the game is about keeping the alien at bay just enough so that you can make the stars align just right <laughs> for you for you to do this very specific task and uh, and just trying not to mess that up yeah and and i i really like the game because you can tell that it was made with love rather than being a um uh, a, a cheap tie-in because you've got little like colorful plastic figurines for the the crew of the nostromo um uh, my favorite thing is it's the only board game i've ever played with a jump scare where Mm -hmm. um on the back of the board on one segment for no reason they drew jonesy the cat huge and fierce and it's the first thing you see when you open the box yeah so i opened i was like ah (laughs) it's a nice touch it really is yeah, the only thing is, I th- I think some of the things on the board changed name after the rulebook went to print, because sometimes it's like, put a token in this room, and you're like, what room? Oh, okay, I guess this room. Um, Slightly differently named room. Yeah, yeah um, and there's a couple of errata things, like some prices are wrong in certain places, but if you, if you, you know, with trepidation and reluctance, go to boardgamegeek.com and look it up there. Um the guy who actually designed it has added like some extra rules that you can use uh, to change how the game plays, which is nice. Like the, the the director's cut rules, uh, <laughs> sort of officially sanctioned house rules. Yeah, then nice. some of them make the game slightly easier, but only in a kind of gentle way, which doesn't feel too cheaty. Yeah, like, we were always surprised that because th- there's a kind of morale meter. Mm. That that ticks down as you play the game, and if you lose all of your morale, then you lose the game. is is one of the things that you're up against. And uh, we were sort of surprised the first time that we played the the game that uh, completing a task successfully does nothing to improve your morale. <laughs> um, and uh, so they've uh, adjusted that in in the house rules so that mm. you you can have a house rule. So it does it has a a minor effect. Yeah, and um, uh, so it, t- it takes about an hour um, to play, and um, I haven't had a bad time with it so far. I played it like three or four times, and it's it's always been good fun. Hmm. Um, more useful if you remember all the rules. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, all of the characters have their own special ability, and my favourite one is ah, uh, what's he called? Um, what's the one that I, uh, you did, I? You did a podcast about this, Peter. I know, but then I finished the podcast and discarded all names. <laughs> Dallas, no. Captain Dallas, no. Parker, Brett, maybe Parker. Is it Parker? It might be Parker. Parker the engineer. Yeah. Are, are you are you thinking of the ability to spontaneously generate scrap? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's Parker. Uh, yeah. 
so uh, so Parker can uh, uh, once per turn just generate scrap out of nowhere, which um, I I think it just means that he's resourceful at finding scrap <laughs> in the area more so than other people. But I just uh, imagining him just really kind of clenching and just <laughs> having it emerge from within himself. Um. Uh, that's a mental image that I really didn't want. Thank you. Um, I, I mean, I, I assumed that he was just like wandering around with a welding torch, just like sawing bits of the ship off and being like scrap. And they're like, Parker, don't we, don't we need that to live? Probably not. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's real good fun. I think it's about twenty pounds, which is well worth it. Um. Uh, yeah, there's there's an expanded set of rules as well, which you can use if you buy two copies of the game, which I have so far resisted the temptation to do, but I can't promise I will continue mm. to do in future. And it's from Ravensburger, who you might remember from uh, Jigsaw Puzzles, I guess. Oh, God, yeah. Um, I've definitely seen that name written down somewhere mm. and never thought about it. Oh, and now we can't get them to sponsor us, Don. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, your name means nothing to me. <laughs> Ravensburger, they vaguely ring a bell. <laughs> You've definitely seen this written on a box somewhere, kids. Probably under that, in that pile of boxes in your grandmother's house on those games she wants you to play, which aren't Switch games. Which aren't Splatoon too. Okay, shall we trudge joylessly towards the end of this? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm calling a podcast emergency meeting. Right, <laughs> right, right. We we have we have to start bringing our A game to this episode because so far it's it's been dreck, it's dire, it's uh, <laughs> it's hot wet garbage, Peter, and it's mostly your fault. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna shortchange you. That's the truth. You are. You are. You are the millstone around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, buck up your ideas or uh, or I will edit in your reactions from another episode. <laughs> as as has been proven that I do. <laughs> uh, one episode I should just cut in all your responses from one of the episodes uh, about the thing and see if anyone notes. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, so... Uh, this is a podcast um this is the uh why why am i so bad at this 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 is a podcast listeners where we have taken a film called knives out and we've cut it into little eight minute chunks which is scientifically decided to be the best length of movie in which to enjoy and we watch it and then we talk about it and then play continues it's dot com it's dot com <laughs> oh that, that that's about 25 years old that reference <laughs> um also we have some bells peter will you ding your bell dinging well, once again i am in a position where i have no bell which um uh, is bad but <laughs> but I, I i should i need to ding i will try my hardest <laughs> um yeah the bells 
are for if we say any of the words that are on our kill phrase list, like uh, Laputan woman, and um, oh, what's what's the other guy's one? Um, I think you might have conflated the two. Actually, maybe. Oh God. Um. Oh, hang on. I'll I'll look them up. It's it's Flatlander woman, isn't it? Uh oh yeah, Flatlander woman Lapperton machine, I think. Mm, yeah. 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 Um well, that well, that was a that was a deep yeah. cut to a 20 22 year old video game. Um, yes, people have no idea what we're talking about. Sorry uh, about that. If you if you were playing the video game Deus Ex, that's those are some those are some things from that. I hope I hope you hope you're having a lovely afternoon, listener. Um Anyway, to to get to the point, we're ringing the bell. Uh, if we, if either of us say the word um, "out" or "thing" for historical reasons, which by now you should be aware. Yeah, and if we say either of those, the dinging occurs, and uh, points are deducted from us uh, via orbital railgun strike. My favourite, and because we're talking about the context of the game here, you can't ding me for this, is uh, when you said thing, and I dinged you, and then you said get out. That was was a really good one. I was very pleased with that. I did it on purpose. Mm. (laughs) So, um, would you like to talk about not the thing? Yes. In in this section of the podcast that's called Let's Not Talk About the Thing. Let's do it. Who who do you think I'm talking about this week? Who would you like to hear? Don't don't know why I'm giving you a choice. You have no choice. Make your choice. Right. Um I would like you to talk about uh who have we got left? Let's say Jamie Lee Curtis. Chris Evans as Ransom uh, Drysdale. That's right, yes. Um if that's that's who we're talking about today. Uh, Christopher Robert Evans, born June 13, 1981, is an American actor who began his career with roles in television series such as Opposite Sex in the year 2000. Following appearances in several teen films, including 2001's Not Another Teen Movie, he gained attention for his portrayal of Marvel Comics character The Human Torch in 2005's Fantastic Four and its sequel, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. You um, you seen that? You seen it? You seen the sil the the um the the Fantastic Four movies from the early two thousands? I think I saw the first one at some point. They're not good. Um, yeah, well, it wasn't particularly <laughs> memorable. Uh, he made further appearances in film adaptations of comic books and graphic novels such as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two thousand and seven, Scott Pilgrim vs the World twenty ten, and mm. Snowpiercer twenty thirteen. Um. You 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 went oh, at Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, I just re- remembered him being in it as you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, he plays Lucas Lee, one of um, Ramona's exes that Scott has to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, defeat. I think defeat. Yes. Mm. Um, he gained wider recognition for his portrayal of Steve Rogers, Captain America. In several Marvel Cinematic Universe films, namely Captain America, The First Avenger, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Captain America, Civil War, 
and The Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. His work on the Marvel series established him as one of the world's highest paid actors. And he's in Knives Out. He is. Mm. When auditioning for Knives Out, he was so keen to play Ransom that he said he pretty much begged Ryan Johnson for the role. He said, I, I don't even think I let him speak. I think I just kind of babbled the entire time about what I wanted to do with the role and what I thought I could bring and please cast me, basically. It was just me kind of pitching myself to him, just begging. <laughs> um, which is kind of sweet. I, I like that he can still go off, like you know, like we said, he's one of the highest paid actors in the world, but he can still go after roles, smaller roles uh, that he just enjoys, which is nice, I guess. Um, Very cool. It, ah, Peter, we have answers to questions that you had. Do we? No. That's not this section of the podcast. What okay. this section of the podcast is, is we review your answers from last time. That's mm -hmm. what I was trying to say, but it's becoming increasingly clear as this episode rolls on that I'm having some sort of neurological episode. Yes, we should never have done this. Yeah. <laughs> what I should have done is ha have a nap and like maybe a milkshake <laughs> instead of two hours of podcast recording and editing. Yes, I gave you the option. Uh, I said, we could do it tomorrow if you want. Yeah, don't. Said, no, I'm fine. I am completely sound. I, I, I am fine. I don't think I said I'm completely sound because who would say that? Not I. Not I. Um, so, uh, you said some things last time and, and now we will, we will discuss them. And I certainly am not using this time to stall as I go and reopen the notes from last time where I wrote down what you said. Well, it's good um, that you're not doing that because that would indicate a lack of preparation. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? And mm. um, and it certainly wouldn't be one to two minutes of stalling while I looked this up. And if you were seeing this for the first time, who do you think the murder is and how did they do it? Um, and you said, it's not a murder. It's an accidental killing by Marta with morphine. Which I mean, I'm I'm on board with you at this point. I mean that that they bald facedly told us that's what's happening. Yes. And he said, "What happens next?" Harlan will do a detailed explanation as to how Marta will get away with it, and she'll do some of the steps as he explains. We'll see her talking to Blanc after Harlan tells her what she has to say during the interview to omit certain details so that she doesn't have to lie. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And uh, like listeners, like writing down his stream of conscious nonsense in a way which can then make sense when you read it later is a is a task which i'm increasingly not up to <laughs> i think the important thing to note here is that i was substantially correct about you were next you did you did do a good you did a good well done um and 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 on that note i think it's time i think it's time for us to watch Minutes 40 to 48 of Knives Out. All right. Yeah. We're still in a flashback. Harlan, carrying on, says to Marta that your mum is still undocumented. If you're caught, she'll be deported and your family will be broken. But you have to do exactly what I tell you. 
Mm, so I guess this is, uh, uh, I'd say, enough of a motivation to at least get her to stop and listen to what he's saying. Yeah. Harlan explains his plan in voiceover as we watch Marta perform it. She goes downstairs, and as she leaves, calls attention to the time. Quite smoothly, I thought. Yeah, yeah. As Harlan tells her to do it, and as she's walking by, she says, geez, it's midnight already, mm. and Walt looks at his watch. But what fascinates me is that Walt doesn't remember Marta saying that in mm. in his like testimony that we've seen earlier. Uh, he just looks at his watch, and he's like, it's midnight. But he only looks at his watch because Marta walks by and says, Walt, it's midnight. <laughs> uh, that, that fascinated me. I, I, lo- I, I really love the way this movie plays with um, those things where one, what one character remembers is different from what another character remembers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Um. Uh, he tells Marta to drive out of the gate and to avoid the security cameras, pull off the road before the carved elephant. Marta drives out, but can't remember if Harlan said before or after the elephant, his voice in her head giving her before, after, and be after for as options. <laughs> yes, this is quite good. <laughs> I like that they're playing with the narration at this point. It's it's pretty well done. Yeah, we're we're hearing we're hearing Marta's memory of Harlan's voice. So uh, he can be saying anything. (laughs) (laughs) She pulls off of the road and we see a shot from the gatehouse of her parking on the CCTV. Uh Oh, it Mm. was after the carved elephant, not be after for the carved elephant. Indeed. She returns via the side gate and Harlan notes that the dogs won't bark because they know her. Um, Well, he got that right at least. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that that will not come back up at any point later in the film. That well, the dogs, I mean, the dogs bark. <laughs> we do. We already know that the uh, who is who is it that gets woken up? I can't remember. Uh, it's Linda. Linda. Uh, Linda's yeah. being woken up by various. Oh, um, Linda gets woken up by people going upstairs, but Meg gets woken up by the dogs barking. Is that oh, what you mean? Oh, Meg gets woken yeah. up by the dogs barking. That's right. Yeah. So we know that the dogs did bark at some point during the night, and mm. perhaps sharp watchers will have picked up on that, but not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I sort of did, but later. I think I mentioned this later in my notes, so I'm not going to talk about it now. All right. Um, She has to get up to the third floor without being seen, so she has to climb up the side trellis and go in through the trick hall window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, uh, there's a nice bit of dialogue between her and the narrator as well at this point. Uh, what, what is his, It's something like, uh, you have to be kidding, and he's like, I am not, do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I want to talk about the trick window. I mean, it's just like something that an eccentric person who's uh, a murder mystery writer might have in their clue house, right? Yeah, it's it just seems like such a strange architectural folly to me. So it's it's an actual window on yeah. the outside of the house that's a real window, mm. but inside the house there's a wall in front of it, like a like a door, basically a big yeah. movable wall. So that from outside you're like 
wait, but where's that window? And from inside, you're like, ooh, can't see the window, unless you know the trick, which is that you can push on the wall and it opens. I'm going to guess that he had it put in himself at some point, just <laughs> as, a, as a whim. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I couldn't find any more information about it or trick windows in general. Um, listeners, if you know anything about trick windows, why don't you write in and, and correct us about them? Because we don't know much. She at least seemed to know what he was talking about when he mentioned it, so they must have talked about it at some point before. Yeah, I mean, he, she probably knows what it is, given that she's been in the house. Yeah. Um. So, from the inside, the trick window is just the end of a hallway with a painting up. Um. Did you notice the painting? No, not really. Why? Uh, the painting is a, is a painting of a boy climbing in through a window. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that wasn't made for the production. They just happened to find it, and it was so perfect they had to use it. Fair enough. <laughs> Marta climbs the trellis, but breaks off a piece by accident. Oh, it's all going wrong. Oh, no. She disguises herself as Harlan by putting on his nightcap and dressing gown. Yes, the perfect disguise, yeah. and uh, gets a bit of cat hair, some honey, <laughs> kind of fashions a moustache. Harlan doesn't have a moustache. Mm, uh, <laughs> um, I uh, Harlan's eighty-five, but like, does anyone really wear a nightcap? Like a. <laughs> I, I, I've I've not heard of the existence of nightcaps out of you know the children's rhyme wee willy winky. It's uh, uh, it, it's something that's basically uh, relegated. It's just Scrooge, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah if you're a, a Victorian moneylender, you can wear a nightcap. If you're not, then I'm sorry, that ship has sailed. Mm. No one needs to wear a hat in bed. <laughs> Maybe he's just got a really cold head. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I yeah. I I feel like it would be uncomfortable personally. Yeah. I I think this is a conceit to disguise the fact that Marta has long hair, and Harlan, yeah. Harlan is basically bald. <laughs> Look, if anyone is going to wear a nightcap, it's someone like Harlan Thromby. <laughs> that is true. Yes, I I will give you that. Uh, I th- I, I do like that a lot of the. Um, the kind of plot holy stuff can be explained away by Harlan just being really, really eccentric, which he is. Yeah. <laughs> Back outside of Marta's memories, she says that she doesn't think that she can do this, but Harlan insists that they just have to make it airtight enough to get past the average cop. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, he's right. Because we've seen the discussion with Elliot versus Blanc earlier, that Elliot is kind of like, this is suicide, we are done here. And Blanc is like, oh, ho, 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 no, he's not French. <laughs> and Blanc is, like, not. Blanc is like, oh, mais non, mais does have an extremely French name, so I see why you got confused for a second. Um, well, I watched a Poirot episode yesterday, so... Um, <laughs> Benoit Blanc, famous for not being French. Walt sees Marta as Harlan and tells them to go back to bed. Um, originally in this scene, that was actually um, Anna de Armas coming down the stairs. 
but she was too recognizable. So uh, the person in the dressing gown nightcap is Daniel Craig's stand-in <laughs> <laughs> instead. <laughs> and I do like when movies play with that, like like in The Thing, where um, the first person who gets got as The Thing um, was too recognizable, so they, they swapped him out for one of the stuntmen. Yeah. Who then turned out looked exactly like uh, one of the cast, so why, why did they bother? Uh, <laughs> Marta leaves the way she came, climbing down the trellis. All of the outside shots here of the mansion at night are shot as either day for night or dusk for night, um, which is them going back to composite dark sky in in some of the shots. It's pretty well done. Uh, that that technology has gone gone far because I I didn't really notice that. Yeah, uh, you can tell that they've put money and time and effort into this because you basically cannot tell that it's uh, day for night. Unlike, um, do you remember that that baffling FMV point-and-click game that came out a few years ago? <laughs> I think it was called... Uh, 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 Contradiction. Yeah, I was thinking Compulsion, but I was like, that's, that's no. not that, no. I knew it started with a C. And uh, yeah, you, you you spend your time dithering about this village where, as as time goes on, they just sort of apply a darkening filter to the screen, and you're yes. like, this is this is what it looks like when there's an eclipse. Like it's not <laughs> it's it's not it's not nighttime here. You know, the sun is being blotted out slowly. I do highly recommend a bit of contradiction. It's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you, you play a detective called Jenks. And, oh God, Jenks! I forgot he was called Jenks. And Jenks is just gloriously overacted. Oh, uh, yeah. It's also got some famous actors in it as well. Um, who? Well, they also are known for their overacting. Yeah, people sure put in some performances to it, but <laughs> but also you feel like it knows exactly what it is as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> and uh, I, I do recommend it. It's very good. Shall we? Uh, shall we play through it for the Patreon? <laughs> Harlan tells Marta not to be seen, and as he does so, Marta is staring through the window at Great Nana, staring back at her. Great Nana says, "Ransom, are you back again already?" Yeah, another line which I didn't really attach any significance to when I heard it, mm. but uh, obviously later turns out to be uh, very significant. Oh. I would, I, I'm just not very good at untangling mysteries. You are you are going to get um, Benoit Blanc saying this line in a very auspicious way later. Mm. Uh, Kay Callan here is playing Harlan's mother. And uh, she's actually six years younger than Christopher Plummer. Yes. <laughs> I like that fact, and I didn't know it. Yeah. See, her uh, name was Cake. Uh, K, just the letter K. Oh, right. I'm pretty sure you said Cake. Um, I, I did not say Cake Callan. Okay. All oh, right. Cake Callan. K. Callan. K. Callan. K. Callan. K. Callan. Not not Cake Allen. Allen. Right. Okay. Right. Fuck it, listeners. Do you see what I have to put up with? Look, listeners. If you'd like to be a co-host on a movie podcast, look. He just said that someone was called Cake Allen. What am I supposed to? How am I supposed to take that? That's what they call me, Cake Allen. 
It might have been called cake. Actors are called no weird one is things. called cake. Actors are called weird things. Listeners, if you know of anyone called cake, email us and we'll do something. We'll eat a cake. Actors um, called cake. Are you googling it? Yes. You can't Google in the middle of the podcast. Come on. That's my that's my shtick. Okay, I've already got someone with the last name cake. Jonathan Cake is an English. Do you know? Actor. Do you know? I knew it would be Jonathan Cake, and I, I like. I don't know why. Uh, I what's he been in? Um, uh, has he been in anything I would recognize? Let's see. Uh, he was uh, in Noah's Ark Empire. Uh, it was a miniseries. Um, Desperate Housewives. No. As a detective, Jonathan Cake. Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, maybe oh, I've. He was in an episode of uh, Jonathan Creek as hippie protester. Oh, that might be where I know him from. <laughs> as as we have discussed, listeners, I um I don't know how to tie my shoelaces or open doors, but I do remember dumb shit about movies and TV shows. Um, oh, because everything uh, comes full circle in this podcast, he's also portrayed Blackbeard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hope there's a listener somewhere who's keeping track of all these connections on a deduction board <laughs> and going, going increasingly mad like that guy from Dark City. <laughs> His most common genre does seem to be kind of murder, mystery, and crime. <laughs> he's like in Marple, in... Uh, Oh, he's in, he was in an episode of Poirot in 2004. Do you, um, um <laughs> would, it, would, it, would it be okay if I got back to Cake Allen? Um, oh, C- Cake Allen, right. Yeah. 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 Okay, can, I, can I continue talking about Cake Allen? Yeah. Um, she had to go through two hours of makeup every day to make her look older. <laughs> mm. But, um, worse still, she was in all of, all of the weather backup scenes, which are, where you know if the weather turns out to be terrible that day instead of wasting a day of not doing anything they'll go and film inside shots somewhere else um right. and her so they saved them till last basically and her she was in all of those so she'd have to get up every day at 4am and call them and be like what's the weather like today and they'd be like it's fine go back to bed <laughs> because otherwise she'd have to schlep all the way in and get the makeup applied um, but yeah, that, the, the idea of weather backup scenes was interesting to me because, uh, like, it's not a thing you think about, but like, obviously, yeah, you know, um, every day the production is running costs money, so if you're f- if you're planning to film outside, you better have some sort of backup plan for if there's torrential rain or something. Yeah, I suppose so. Marta runs away and drives home. Marta says that she can't lie to the police because she'll puke. And Harlan says, don't lie. Carefully tell fragments of the truth. Mm. But isn't that also known as a lie of omission? <laughs> it, 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 it is a lie of omission, but we see later that it can sort of get past Marta's internal censor to a degree. Yeah. I think, I think if she tells like a, a, like a, just a straight up lie, um, like if she said I didn't kill him, then it would have been Puke City immediately. But 
her carefully chosen phrases let her stall the process. Also, I think, uh, and we'll get to this, but I think the answer to her, the last question, might have been a lie as well. Mm, Yeah. Um, Back in the real world, Blank's coin lands, and Marta says, so these are her literal things, I took him upstairs, we played Go, he knocked the board over and Joni came up to check on them, she gave him pain medication and left him in his study, at midnight, she said goodbye to Walt and went home. <laughs> Elliot asks what medication she gave him, and she says, since his injury, I've been giving him 100 milligrams of IV of Toradol, an al- analgesic, and 3 milligrams of morphine to help him sleep, and the family knows about the medicine. <laughs> and good wording here, good use of since his injury. Yeah, sin- yeah. since his injury, I've been giving him. That's, yeah. yeah, that's that's very carefully worded. I like it. Yeah. Um, she says she didn't notice anything wrong with his demeanor, and Blank thanks her and dismisses her. Yeah, and that's the part I think might have been just yeah. uh, just a lie because obviously his demeanor was somewhat odd towards yes. the end of the evening. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and um, they just to just to prove that this is a little bit of a lie, you can hear Marta's tummy gurgle on the soundtrack. <laughs> oh, really? I was listening yeah. to see whether there was anything, but I didn't get it. No, no, they 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 put it in <laughs> like mm. a a little tummy growl, and uh, then Marta hurriedly walks out of the room, goes into the toilet, and throws up. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a combination of all those lies of omission and also that last one. <laughs> that last one, which was an actual lie. Yeah, I didn't really think about it at the time, but yeah, the last one just is straight up a lie. Was his demeanor different? Yes, he's in the middle of committing suicide and explaining how to get. He's in the middle of committing suicide because of a murder and explaining how I can get away with it. That is a somewhat changed demeanor. Yeah, it is a little out of character. <laughs> but like probably not that much for Harlan to yeah, True. <laughs> oh dear. We cut to Linda in her room, rereading letters from her father and crying. Walt walks in and asks if she's okay, and she says that this whole thing feels like one of her dad's games or one of his books, and they hug. And this scene made me be like are we, the audience, supposed to think that Harlan has somehow faked all of this? Because mm. one of the things she says is, I keep expecting to see him just turn up again yeah. and, uh, you know, be like, ha ha, this has all been a big surprise. And, like, from a, the point of view of a film, you can sort of get away with that stuff sometimes. Yeah. But like you know, the coroner would have taken the body away and things like that. So yeah, I, I, for me, I think it's more. It was more about well, we've just had this reveal about Marta, mm. uh, but also, as I've been saying all along, the person who was still the my biggest question mark up up until that point was Linda. So it's kind of good at this point to have yeah. a scene with her just behaving in what appears to be genuinely uh a genuine sort of sadness and shock yeah, over sorrow and loss uh, her father's uh uh death and mm. that that kind of kind of clears that bit up in my mind as well so at the moment everything apart from maybe um ransom which we'll get back to in a moment seems seems a bit kind of neatly wrapped up at this point 
Mm. Uh, later, we see Fran talking to Marta at the wake, and she's saying that she doesn't think Harlan killed himself while Marta slowly tunes her out. She says something like, it's like that Hallmark movie, Deadly by Surprise, starring Danica McKellar as a wife who's getting poisoned little by little, and my cousin, who's a receptionist for the medical examiner's office, says that that happens all the time. Yeah. Um, we, we've got some fun facts about the Hallmark movie, but they will come up later I, I, <laughs> when they talk about it a second time. Marta, in her mind, sees Harlan and Ransom walk by and flashes back to the night of the party. The Thrombies are arguing about Donald Trump and immigration. This is like the most painful scene to watch in the whole movie. Yeah, I think that the um, they don't actually use the name, do no. they? Uh, and that's probably a good move, because you don't want to date something too much, right? Mm, no, 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 exactly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I've got that here as a note. Trump isn't named explicitly, but they're talking about children in cages and red caps. Right. So, um, uh, another note here. This scene, of course, plays out differently from Richard's memory of this. <laughs> in in this version, uh, Richard is being an asshole and, like, ranting about immigration, and he's, like, forcing Marta to come over to talk to them. But as we remember from his memory earlier, like he just turns around, he's like, Marta. She's like, yay. And they all, <laughs> they all have a lovely chat. Yeah. Um, yet another thing of this movie playing with what happened versus what people remember. Right. This scene is actually supposed to be a homage to Agatha Christie and the way that her novels often include something which was happening concurrently in the news, like the cultural zeitgeist at the moment. Um, so, like the Poirot novels uh, have allusions to the war that was breaking out at the time and things like that. Mm. Um, so they all there's always something that she puts in that was like relevant and happening at the time. And this was an attempt to capture that for okay. a a film. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, this is probably the longest that Donna gets to talk in the um, um theatrical cut of the movie and uh she seems like a terrible fucking person honestly yeah, doesn't come off great from this <laughs> she has has opinions about mexicans that are shit um like yeah. just the worst fucking opinions um uh but i have a note here which says honestly all of the thrombies mostly seem like massive dicks here so yeah honestly um and it's good i think because mm. At this point, we really need to, to dislike the family more yeah. so that we keep on rooting for Marta. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joni is furious, but Richard says that the parents of immigrants are to blame for breaking the law and America is for Americans. Ugh, gag me. Um Richard calls Marta over and congratulates her for her parents doing it correctly and her hard work. And then he hands her his plate like she's part of the serving staff. And it's it's a great moment because he's, he's not even looking at her. Yeah. He doesn't even seem to realize that he's doing it. It's yeah. like the, the amount of just entitlement. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is unbelievable, yeah. I, I didn't actually notice this the first time when we saw it in the cinema that um he just hand because I 
because they were talking and he just hands her the plate in the corner of the screen. Right. But when on home video and I was like, oh, guys, such a knob. Um, <laughs> um, Richard handing her the plate as if she was a maid was actually Don's idea. Um, <laughs> I think it, it works really well establishing what a just terrible character he is. Mm. The camera pans and we hear Ransom storm out of Harlan's office. The conversation ending with, I'm warning you. Ooh, those are, mm. those are words, Peter. You get a little shot of Nana there as well. Yes, he, sto- he storms by Great Nana. Mm. She seems to have heard a lot more than everyone else has heard. Mm. Oh, it's a foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, th- I think Great Nana likes Ransom uh, a mm. lot. She's, she's always seems to be kind of like looking for him wherever he is. Right. Mm. We cut back to the present and Fran wittering on at Marta and Marta stumbles. And, uh, and that's where we leave these eight minutes. Uh, Marta's just gone weak at the knees. All from right. Remembering what terrible employer she had. Well, I mean, it's not the worst cut that we've had. We've kind of established a few things, mm. uh, and we're t- ready, I think, to move on to the next phase of the plot. Yeah. So, how how we do this now is I do ask you some question. Mm, yeah. Mm. And here's one of them. If you were seeing this for the first time, who do you think is the murderer, and how did they done it? Are you sticking with Marta and the Poison? Uh, yes, mm. I think I'm still, uh, staying where I was last time with that. Nothing's really convinced me otherwise at this point. You can't be tempted by Florence on the machine. Uh, no, not on this <laughs> occasion. Um, what happens next, Peter? Uh, it's all a little bit fuzzy to me, but I feel like at this point in the film, uh, they're going to do a little bit of exploration of the outside grounds and there's going to be some shenanigans with the bit of uh thing that broke off of the trellis uh and uh also they're going to go and try and get the video from the um from where it's recorded and uh Marta's going to have to try and sabotage that in some way and also she's just going to try and sabotage footprints as well on the way back up to the house uh, as they are noticed uh, by Benoit by uh, pretending to be oblivious. I think <laughs> those are the sorts of things that happen next, but yeah. I don't remember exactly in what order. Okay, yeah. well, that sure is enough. I, uh, <laughs> we we complained at the start about writing down your stream of consciousness stuff. <laughs> uh, we're, it'll gonna ha- it's going to have to do. Um, mm-hmm. what, what are you, Peter, thinking about the movie so far? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's not much different to last time. I like this film a lot, and we, we're really getting into it now. We, we are getting into, well, we're getting into wondering where this is go- all going now, because we've got a good a good hour of film left. I don't know, actually, how long is this film in total? About two hours and ten minutes. All right, so we got a little bit over an hour of the film left. So there's, lot, there's still a lot of ground to cover. But aside from a couple of question marks, we don't know exactly how Ransom is involved at the moment, but 
up until this point he's been such a minor character that it it doesn't feel that important. It, mm. it feels like you know most of the relevant facts about things now, which is an interesting place to be at this stage. Yeah, we're uh, we're a third of the way into the movie. Surely it will be easy to just wrap it up from here. Yeah. Or is it? Or is it? We or know it is isn't. It? We have we've seen yeah, the no, film, and, we've and seen you it. should have seen it by now as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, listeners, if you listened to all of that, well done. This wasn't our top material this time. Uh, no, it was. It was. It was great. It was very good. It was very good. There was no. There were no problems. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, not the episode with the heaviest editing burden of any of them so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you have any questions or comments or anything you want to say to us, you can email us at podcast at eightminutemovies.co.uk. It doesn't matter if you use the letter eight or the number eight. They're both equally valid in my eyes. Um, and if you like the show, what you should do is tell a friend or leave a comment wherever you listen to the show. Um, and we hope that you liked it. We hope that you liked this episode. We hope that you liked the precedent episode and the subsequent episodes. But we're not making any promises, all right? I just, <laughs> I just, I just, I just, I just look. It's like it's like Star Wars, right? You know the prequels. You know how they're not great films, mm. but. Like they always end on like some fantastic action sequence or something, so that when you leave the cinema, you're like, "Wow, that was great!" And then it takes like a little while before you, you know y- your hind brain kicks in. You're like, oh, "Wait a oh, minute, wait a minute, that was that was, I've I've been I've been bamboozled." Yeah. So so we we need we need to really pep something up for for the end. Um, what if we sang a song? Do you know a song? Uh, I know several. Um. Oh, uh, this, this is probably going to take more effort than I thought. Mm. Let's let's improvise a song about knives out. All right, knives out. It's a film about a murder. Knives out. Just waiting for you to figure out a rhyme for murder. Um. Oh fuck. Maybe absurder? Is that a word? <laughs> <laughs> the plot could not be any absurder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think we should quit while we're behind. <laughs> yeah, oh, um, I was trying to think of a rhyme for thromby, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's no good rhymes in this. Um, listeners, if you know a word that rhymes with thromby... Um, email us i guess peter where can yeah. you be found on the internet i have to let you do your own one after you yes upbraided me so savagely last time well before i do i just want to say that this was a great idea people would definitely come away thinking that this is brilliant now that you've done <laughs> that well done <laughs> i tried i tried my best <laughs> if you want to look at my words on the internet i can be found under the name kestrel pie on twitter that's kestrel like the bird and pie like the irrational number and if you'd like to find out more about uh, jonathan cake you mm. can go to jonathancakefansite.wixsite.com slash jonathancakefansite Wow, really? <laughs> and uh, you can uh, go to the website unofficial about Jonathan Cake. <laughs>
and I can be found on the internet, I guess. Okay, g- goodbye, listeners. It's been a fine time having you here. Um, we love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.